Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. A very special episode of SalesOps Demystified. We're joined by Morgan Rossiel of Pegasystems. Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. Great to be here. So I just said before we started recording that we, uh, we, we had Chris Santos of Pluralsight on a couple of months back who had Navy experience, and she yep. was incredible. So uh, Morgan, interestingly, has Army experience, and for the last two and a half years has been running or managing the sales operation at Pegasystems. So hopefully we're going to get some context from the from that experience, but they'll also have, like transitioning from that into sales operations. So super interesting interview. Let's kick off with the first question. How did you initially get into sales operations, Morgan? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Obviously, a, a fantastic jumping off spot. So, um, you know, I did Army ROTC in college, and originally um, thought that I'd go active duty, do my four years, and take it from there. So I had a guaranteed job. I did my undergrad uh, in business administration, but once I decided to go into the National Guard, which is a more part time version of the Army, I said, "Oh man, I better get some real life experience out there." So uh, I started my career in insurance. And then worked as a project manager at Stryker, which is a medical device company here in the States. And um, really, that was my first taste of working with a sales team and going to sit in customer meetings, understanding how to walk a potential customer or prospect down the road to a solution that you think would benefit them being able to articulate the R uh, or, the, or the benefit that they'll receive. And then uh, after doing that for uh, a, a little bit, I, um, I wanted to make sure that uh, I was setting myself up for success for, say, the next 30 years, right, essentially the rest of my career. And, um, you know, I was always interested in the back-end data portion of how a sales organization works. And I realized that data is only growing exponentially um, and is likely to do so for the, for the rest of our careers. So at that point, I went back and got my MBA in business analytics and said, all right, great, how can I start applying this, leveraging my experience with sales teams? And sales operations was just, it was just a dream come true. It was a perfect fit for, for what I was looking for. Got it for a very strategic move. Yeah, it, it was definitely uh, not by happenstance. Um, this mm. was something that I, I, I most certainly thought, thought about. 
And you know what's really cool with sales is not only do I love the personalities, you tend to have a lot of really big personalities. Um, I chose software specifically because of its huge upward trajectory. And I think a, a lot of uh, the folks that I've seen uh, on, on your other podcasts have can probably speak to this, just the, the fantastic environment. It's a really fresh, interesting, engaging place to be um, with, with the opportunity to really have an outsized impact. Even in a place like Pegasystem, it's been around for 35 years, uh, over 5,000 global employees. I still feel like I can, if I have a good idea, it will be listened to, it will be considered, and I have the potential to make a tremendous impact. In, in some of those, what I'll call more developed industries or stodgier industries like insurance, you just don't have that kind of uh, creative flexibility. And what's really special about the sales teams and what really drew me into them is that they're going to listen to pretty much anything that they think is, is going to make them more effective, right? They're all ears and we're all marching towards that one goal here between sales ops and the sales teams. God, it is a great advertisement of sales ops. <laughs> That's right. Um, so you mentioned 5,000 employees. How many sales reps and how many people in your in the sales ops department? Um, so we're a global company. Um, offhand, the number escapes me on our global sales force, mm -hmm. but I'd say we're, we're over 200 in the U.S. Um, with a team of one, two, three, four, five five sales ops managers and then we have a separate alliances team for our partners uh, and then the management chain up through there so um, what's really fantastic about about Pegasystem specifically is the fact that we as a business have made tremendous investments in sales operations in growing out that team and really ensuring that we have a tighter one-to-one -one alignment between ourselves as the sales ops managers and the um, and the sales VPs so really ensuring that we get to know the business very well, we can speak to the business um, and give them the attention that they need to really take on that trusted advisor role, which is just, you're not going to get anywhere without it. Got it. And when you joined, was that the point where they Pegasystems started investing in sales ops or had they been doing that for X amount of years and you came in and took one of the management positions? Yeah, so th that's a great question. I actually started my sales ops journey as sort of an aide de camp. So I was picking up all of the, uh, and anywhere we didn't have business, uh, or excuse me, we didn't have resources to to handle certain projects, that would fall to me. So I got, uh, it was a great opportunity for me in a sales ops role to um, meet folks around the business, really understand how the business works and how to get things done at my company. Um, and then once we started to really build out and flesh out the sales ops management team, uh, we also spun off some of what was sales ops into sales effectiveness. So really building out a pro programmatic structure around those folks. At that point, I was able to align myself directly with one of our go-to-market sales teams and really get deep on the day-to-day, -day, the nitty-gritty, the opportunities, the, the, the prospects, uh, and all the campaigns that we're running against, uh, against our target orgs. Got it. Um, current sales tech stack at Pegasystems. So I don't know how much you know about Pegasystems or how much any mm. of the viewers do, but we are a very robust company. And whether you want to say we eat our own dog food or drink our own champagne, um, a lot of our systems are built on the unified Pega, Pega platform. And that's a platform that essentially allows for no low code uh, app creation in the in the realms of uh, you know CRM, um, digital engagement, and then we can also layer in robotic uh, automation. 
and um, uh, and AI into that. So uh, most of the tools that we use, for example, our CRM uh, is Pega Sales Automation, and that's built on our platform. That's uh, managed by our in-house team. I mean, we've created it, we sell it, so we know it. So it's proven to be a really uh, unique tool that we're able to quickly, uh, by virtue of the of the product and by virtue of the talent that we have in-house, um, create the uh, updates, the the new views, et cetera, that we need to be effective as a business. Outside of all, all of our Pega systems, uh, we also find Tableau to be very effective, especially when trying to broadcast a ton of information, as you can imagine, data visualization software uh, to a, a wide audience. So one of the things that we do is, for example, um, you know, a quarterly evaluation of the business. Sometimes that's just better shown through a tool like um, like Tableau uh, or Power BI on the back end. Um, so, but those are and those are a lot of the tools that we'll use internally as well and across across the teams as you step out of sales operations. Got it. And have you, let's say in a parallel universe, you guys are using Salesforce uh, and so we have two parallel universes. Do you think that in your par- in your parallel universe, you in the sales ops team are able to push more customizations easier the way you currently are versus if you're running on Salesforce or not really, not really much difference? Yeah, so I, I think that there... I think that there's a, a there's just so much overlap there, and we have the folks that have literally been building our products for the last three decades in house sitting here. So it's kind of like a you know we're not limited to what um, kind of add-ins we can get from a developer, right? We have our own developer ecosystem that that has that functionality built in, but we're just we have such robust capabilities because we own soup to nuts the entire product you know we have the code um so i think that i think that in terms of any enhancements or customizations that would be required we have the the resources internally um to to build that out as needed got it um now you you may have to help me here but sure with your with your custom your own crm how are you currently managing data quality yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I often say when it when it relates to data quality specifically, that it really takes a village. I mean, this is a heavy team lift. I talked about the investments that we're making as a business and how we spun off that sales effectiveness um, team from from sales ops. Part of that is you know we've we've always had a very capable um, sales data and analytics team that owns the data quality for, for, for our sales teams. There are a few other data teams around the business, but what we're in the process of doing right now is combining everything, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing from that team, but um, combining everything into that, that one centralized data warehouse so that all the column headers are the same. We're all reading from the same sheet of music. Um, but of course, even outside of all the historical you know, activity-based data and whatnot, um, you know, we have we have so many functions that that pitch in for that. So we uh, review our own activity data, so emails, meetings, opportunities, etc. Um, that that's fed from from Outlook directly. Um, and you know, as as I'm going through, I I'm religious about keeping my team's data quality up to date. Whether that's um, you know just the organizational hierarchy and the way things are assigned. Uh, and we use some third. We do use some third-party tools for that, like uh, Dun and Bradstreet, DMB Hoover's, um, is a is a really popular one. Um, 
to just making sure that you know everything that sits within the CRM system when we do have to make updates due to termed AEs, uh, you know, new sales reps coming on board and, and assigning them their portfolios, that everything lines up. Um, but it, it's it's really an exercise in vigilance because when you're just dealing with the amount of the, the amount of data that we have with our enterprise sales teams, it um, you know it it really becomes a, a very by the eaches kind of exercise. Does that, that make sense? It, it makes sense. That team that you mentioned that are kind of responsible for the data quality, do they sit outside of sales operations? Yeah, that's correct. But very closely aligned uh, to the sales teams, right? So um, we, in fact, just this morning, we were on, on a, a phone call this uh, for about an hour, just working through some reporting that we're, we're trying to spin up to make some of that data more available, more accessible to the field in a digestible format, right? Um, so they, in fact, literally sit right next to me. So we are very, very tight knit. Um, and that's, that's, I think by virtue of the fact that where does the rubber really meet the road, right? When marketing wants to judge the effectiveness of their outreach, they they can look at certain metrics, but where it really comes down is customer engagement and opportunity creation and dollars booked. That's what sales is about. So that's what we have an unrelenting focus on. That's all we can focus on. Got it. Um, now shifting the view to like your relationship with the sales reps. So imagine you have sure. 200, 200 in, in the US. Um, if you are to roll out something new, maybe a new customized part of the CRM or process, how are you going about getting them to, to buy in and actually do that thing? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think that's something that every new sales ops professional is going to really, I don't want to say struggle with, but have to mm-hmm. figure out. And um, what I found really helpful in, in getting to this is it's really all about becoming a trusted advisor. So... When it comes to new tools and, and, and processes, what we really need to do is start by including the sales team on any of those decisions. And they'll let you know if you don't. Um, and that may mean in, you know, running, by, running things by your sales VP and the other sales managers uh, all the way down to the AE level. I am always trying to solicit feedback, no matter how minor, or at least put, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. What do you guys think? So that the first time they see it isn't once something goes live. Um, because when you do that, you're, you're basically the corporate that's dictating out to the field. And having spent so much, the, the first, uh, oh gosh, eight years of my career were in the field working, you know, working um, out with customers. And it's, it's very easy to get disenfranchised and or feel like you're, you're being uh, just told what to do. So it's really important that you you bring them into the fold, help them be part of the decision-making opportunity. And that's actually something that I, I, I quickly picked up in the military is you can be the kind of leader that dictates the orders, or you can be the person that gets everyone to want to come along with you. And I think that the latter for my own personal leadership style is, is really essential. And when you're looking at a sales ops role specifically, we don't have the institutional hierarchy, um, you know, power dynamic. We sit outside of the sales teams often. I know we do it at Pega, and we don't always have the tenure of the sales VP that's been doing this for 40 years. So how do you get that guy or gal to come along and, and want to listen to what you're saying? So you have to you have to kind of guide them down that process using more of a soft influence, a, a handholding process. And, and the last thing that I want to point out on this I think it's a really important point is that it's not all about saying, hey, here's what 
we sales ops think that you need to be doing now. But it's also, it's a two-way dialogue, right? So my sales VP and the sales team that I support will often come to us with tools and say, we're really interested in this, or, you know, we put down the budget to do a sample of this and see how it's going. And we really like this. Well, we're going to take that. We're going to investigate it. We're going to have the conversations with other sales leaders and say, maybe what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And we want to roll this out widely, but we're going to listen to what you have to say. Everyone wants to be heard, right? Even the sales folks will tell you that the customers want to be heard. So we really want to make sure that we are considering the end users or the recipients of all these tools uh, as we're going through the process of developing and rolling them out. Got it. And you touched on something that I wanted to ask about is your experience in the National Guard. uh, And you mentioned your leadership style. Do you think it has impacted you or like... Maybe a better question is, how have that impacted the way you lead and interact with sales reps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned before, working with any sales team, uh, you're going to have a lot of a lot of big personalities and a lot of folks that have been doing this for a long time. And I remember when I first came in as a brand new officer, I was 22 years old, and I had you know folks under me that ranged from 18 to to 45, you know, in the guard, it, it, you can, you can really run into those circumstances. And that continued throughout my career. Um, you, you can't go in there guns blazing. You can't, you can't act like, you know, everything you have to be willing to just provide an, an, an unbiased view and make your best recommendation. But also you, you don't need to operate in a vacuum. I always solicit feedback before I make a decision because chances are very good that there's folks, whether on my sales operations team and in my management chain or within the sales teams themselves that have been through this at some other company, have uh, have run into a similar issue, and they have great feedback. So I'm, I think what I, what I learned uh, during my time as, a, as an officer in, in the Army National Guard is that I'm not too proud to seek out guidance from others because Again, looking back to that that idea of um, trying to facilitate cooperation amongst the team and and not have that dictatorial type of uh, of environment, it's just I, I think it's it's really important that we all agree this is what we're going for. We're in this together, like it or not. Now, I may ultimately have to be the decision maker, and you can't please everyone all the time, but it's really important for me to make sure that I understand all of the perspectives. So I'm always thinking, even if it's just a format to an email, okay, I know that this person's traveling this week, so they're going to be looking at this on their iPhone. So I've got to make this in a format that's digestible for them. And, and you know, always always considering your, your the person that you're supporting, your end customer, which for us is that sales team. Got it. While we're talking about the sales team, what are you guys currently doing to make the individual reps more productive? So that's that's a that's a million dollar question. I think that that's something that most organizations are never completely done uh, working towards as a goal. Um, you know, one of the things that that I think is is really important again is that impartiality. So we're not confined to the day to day chasing of deals. We're not looking at, hey, did we get the offer note out? I mean, we look at all of these metrics in aggregate or, or on uh, as a one-off, but our day is not consumed like that, with that like it is for the AE or the, the frontline sales manager. We are able to have a wider aperture. So one of our big initiatives um, this year, uh, well, for the last couple of years, but something that, that we've, we've done in fits and spurts and, and 
um, are trying to institutionalize across the organization is the sense of a cadence, right? Hey, we are going to proactively put the information in front of you that's going to allow you to start looking out to 2020, right? Let's look at mid-2020. Where do we stand? And building out some of the the common sense metrics that are going to go along with that. If you're an AE and your quota is $1 million and you have $1 million in pipeline for next year, you better be an all-star AE or, or you're going to miss your number. So we start looking at how many times, what's your multiple of your quota that you have going into next year? Great. What's the quarterization of that? Are you looking to book something every quarter? And we're facilitating those conversations all the way up from the CEO level down to the AE and their FLSM and establishing you know, not not only the data-driven conversations, um, because we we will present the unbiased data, but it's really that is the jump. That is only the jumping-off point. But the sales managers uh, up and down the line will inject their knowledge, their awareness of their teams to uh, further drive those insights. But we, as a sales ops organization, um, are are presenting that data um, proactively, systematically, programmatically, and uh, really not not letting anyone take their eye off the ball. And I know that we have, you know, you can talk to, to multiple folks around here who can say, you know, yeah, towards the end of 20, 2018, I was so focused on closing business, which I understand, right? You have to do that. Um, but if you start to take your ball, your eye off the ball for 2019, uh, which, you know, various folks will say maybe they had done, then they pay the price for it in that first half of the of the new year because it's a, it's a all hands on deck, uh, feast or famine kind of boom and bust cycle. And that's something that, is just not sustainable. And, and you know, again, not to, not to harp on the fact that, that it's just so great at PEGA specifically that we are investing the resources that we have the bandwidth to develop these reports, to attend the meetings, to provide our insights, and to ultimately ensure that we are inspecting the right tools, the right, the right metrics, so that that cadence is effective in, uh, in setting both our AEs and our wider sales teams up for long-term success. Got it. And moving on to forecasting, how are you, or how are the sales ops team involved in the sales forecasting process at the moment? Sure. So um, our sales ops teams run the forecast calls. So we are the facilitators of those calls, um, which I think is really great because it gives us all the most in-depth understanding of where our the specific businesses that we support are, uh, and we do those we do those every week. Um, within our CRM, we can do multi-level forecasting. So the AE may forecast X dollars, but his manager uh, forecasts Y, and then her uh, senior manager may may forecast Z. Right. So those are available in the system. Um, but but in doing those weekly calls, we we also bring together the stakeholders um, so that you know everything is recorded. It's an opportunity to quickly touch base on anything that may be needed um, in the upcoming week or or what have you. Uh, but really, those those are the result of up and down conversations throughout the sales organization. Now, sales ops usually doesn't get too involved in those just due to the volume of them. But we try to get the highest level. So like the Americas, um, you know, our APJ business, our EMEA business, those we want to get involved in because that's kind of the summarized view of what opportunities we're counting on for the quarter. Got it. And KPI, oh, actually, from... From your experience, what has been a super insightful KPI to, to track performance of reps? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I've come up with a bunch on my own that aren't, aren't part of the standard reporting pack, as, as I'm sure we all tend to do, uh, mm. based on just 
chasing our little our little uh, hunches, which I think is one of the greatest things about sales ops is we get access to the raw data so that we can we can go down the rabbit hole. Sometimes a bad thing, right? Sometimes we can we can spin ourselves up on on all these different avenues. But when we when we find something, we lock on. I think it's pretty cool. So um, one of the most interesting elements. Uh, or, or KPIs that I've been looking at recently is email to meeting ratios, right? So usually the report out comes as, you know, inbound emails, outbound emails, meetings, opportunities, contact creation, et cetera. But one of the things that I've really found interesting is the email to meeting ratio because the specific team that I support, we have some parts of the business that are um, very developed, Right. So they we're not we're not struggling with awareness in any of those accounts. They know us. We've been around there. We've been walking the halls forever. And then we have others where, uh, you know, naturally through the growth of any organization, we start targeting different areas. And it's interesting when I compare those sales teams and especially their email to meeting ratios, the amount of outreach that it'll take, even just for a tenured AE to get meetings where they already have the relationships built up versus a, a new hire AE. Um, who's trying to build their own brand as a, as an AE or a sales rep um, within an organization and how telling that can be in the first few months of their employment. And not only when you have a new territory that's getting stood up, which naturally involves a lot of, you know, seeking out who's going to be your fox, who might be the advocates as you start a sales cycle and even finding out where businesses are in their sales cycle, but also looking at uh, as a metric for new hires, what is your messaging. How are you messaging? Is this resonating? Um, and if you are a new hire who's quickly getting to meetings, so you have a low email to meeting ratio, what are you doing? How did you figure it out so quick that we can emulate and spread across our new hire population? So that is, that's just an example of one KPI that I'm specifically looking at that I think can start to tell a bunch of different stories as you tie the data and your deep knowledge of your sales team together. Got it. And especially if a new rep is joining, um, you can, it's a good indicator of their, well, their ramp time will be, right? If, if you can see That's right. It. Cool. That's um, right. And so that's just to clarify, it's like total outbound emails sent versus total meetings had and then taking the percentage. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Um, now, there's always nuances in the data, right? And that's where you, you as a sales ops manager, get to impart your wisdom. So the sales, the sales manager himself or herself knows what the AE is doing and what they're spending their time on. And similarly, as you get inculcated in the business and you are on those forecast calls, you're, you're in the meetings in the hall with the sales managers, et cetera, you start to know. So for example, you may have, a, a, you're, you may have an AE who's spending a ton of time at an org that they just recently sold something into. So are they really prospecting? Are they trying to radiate in that org? Or is this more, you know, the deal's been concluding and we're trying to do a little bit of customer success management. Um, and then we should expect to see that fall off next quarter. You know, so being, there, there are some nuances. Um, but even if you're new, as I would say, even if you're a new sales ops manager or a sales ops analyst looking at this data, I think it's still valuable to at least present that information in an unbiased way to the sales manager or to, I'll just say to the sales team and let them make that, the, apply their own judgment to that um, in order to, to drive the conversation with their, with their, their teams. Got it. And final question, who has been the one leading light for you in sales operations? Who has inspired you the most? So that's that's a that's a really difficult question. Um, I, I've been lucky 
to have worked with some of the most amazing folks in my professional career since taking on the mantle of sales operations. Um, but I would say my 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 guiding light would probably be one of my coworkers, Wanda Droz. Um, she has a fantastic ability to read her audience. She's never forceful, but she gets her point across. And I think I think part of the reason why she's so capable is prior to coming to sales operations as a sales ops manager, she was on the data and analytics team. So she can go super deep in the data. She knows exactly where it's coming from. She can represent it in intelligent ways that make sense for the sales team based on what kind of information they're looking for. And she can anticipate how that will resonate. Um, she also keeps a really calm demeanor in, in spite of things that can sometimes be stressful. You know, it's a, it's a tough job trying to please so many stakeholders as we often have to do. We have folks up and down the chain. We have our field facing personnel. We get pulled into ancillary projects, but uh, she handles it all um, with, with an impressive uh, demeanor. And she's also just so willing to share her work with us, which has really helped me grow and become a better sales ops professional myself. So Wanda, if you're, if you're listening, thank you so much for the guidance. And I look forward to continue to learn from you. Uh, thank you. Shout out to Wanda. Now, <laughs> here, here are the insights I like. There's a few really, really good words just that I wanted to kick off with, but I wasn't yeah. 100% sure what they, what they meant. One was in, inculcate. Does that mean like to integrate into? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To really steep yourself uh, in, in, in the business to really become a part of it. <laughs> right. I, I, and there's one more in there that I didn't write down, so it's, it's lost or it would be in the interview. Um, but I liked your – something you actually only mentioned quite shortly, with, but I thought was powerful, is the alignment with the VP. And we haven't talked about that before, in that your relationship with this person who is responsible for the big number is super, super important, right? Um, and so I thought that was really – I, I wanted to highlight that. The second was – how you lead and interface with the sales reps and being more of a, or, or because you don't have the, the chain of command, you're not their boss, essentially. Right. And you have to develop that relationship and become the trusted advisor. I thought that was Absolutely. super interesting. Um, and then exercising vigilance, though I really like the word vigilance describing data quality. Um, and yeah, there we go. Fantastic. So um, I want to thank you. That was actually a pretty long interview in the end. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on, giving us your time and sharing those insights and amazing words. Uh, Morgan, <laughs> Morgan it, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Tom. Absolutely fantastic to join you. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to speak, speak uh, sales ops and talk shop for a little bit. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.